we're back to the endless shelf. I'm your host, Renata. Each episode, a bookworm or creator adds a kid's book they love to our shelf. But before they tell us all about it, I need them to answer some questions to bubble their creative cauldron. Now, I know those of you who listened to the first episode of Season 2 might be thinking, how can we avoid that silly mistake happening again this week? Well, I must say I'm a little embarrassed about it all. It can be tricky to keep yourself on track sometimes, and I guess I was just on such a ride with Lauren's story, and I got carried away. But... I have studied the timetable for today and I will make sure to remain seated for the entire journey in today's episode, so I can promise you I will not lose my train of thought today. Now, let's get to know this week's guest. Shulan Moore is a leader in her local writers group and runs Love Oz MG with a past guest on the pod, Betty. She works so hard to support the kidlit community. Her first picture book, Nothing Alike, came out in August of this year, and her second, The Build Up, launched just a few weeks ago. We are going to talk about both of those today. Shulan lives in southeast Queensland with her husband and two kids, and she is a doctor. We're endlessly happy to have you on the shelf, Shulan. Thank you. Thanks, Renata. I'm great, thank you, and I'm very excited to be here. I've listened to your podcast, so... I hope you don't mind, but my dog is just in the cave with me today. Is that all right with you? Yes. He can be a little too friendly, but let me know if he's bothering you at all. Okay. What do you love about kids' books? Oh, what don't I love about kids' books? (laughs) I love that they're the first books we read and often the ones that stay longest with us. Mm. There's so much variation in them. They can be sweet and touching or they can be funny and sort of out there. There's as much diversity in kids' books as there Mm. are in adult books. I think sometimes we get a prescribed view of what we think children should be reading. Yeah. Obviously, there are as many different books as there are different children. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, How long have you been part of the Kidlit community? Well, I think it's been now seven years. So I think I started actively being part of it in 2016. Right. Wow. So going along, I think my first WriteLinks meeting was either the end of 2015 or 2016. Do you have a clue about who blew through my new shoe? Oh, <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> I don't know. It's rude. It's rude. I they they were my brand new pair of shoes. Okay. Well, I'm just thinking if someone and now look at them blown through them, they might be trying to blow a musical note through them or something. Maybe it's the Pied Piper. <gasps> I don't know. <laughs> It's a bit stinky and gross. Probably. Probably. <laughs> I can imagine him sneaking into my pod cave. Oh, well, if I ever meet him, I'll give him a good talking to because they were a good pair of shoes. Now, can you name three books that have been really special to you in the Kid Lit Library? One of them is When You Reach Me by Rebecca Stead. It's a middle grade book. It draws on A Wrinkle in Time. 
which was one of my favorite books yeah. when I was little. And <gasps> oh, me too. Yeah. And it's a contemporary realist story. It's sort of a nice look at a relationship between a boy and a girl who are friends all the way through primary school or elementary school in America. And then they sort of start to drift apart as they get older. Uh, so it's a lovely story, but there's really cool elements in it, which I won't spoil. So that one, I actually read that uh, just a few years ago as an adult and I just, my mind was blown and that is definitely the standard, the bar that I set for my writing and wow. my writing is nowhere near that. So it's very simple writing, but it's very cool. It's a toss up between, these are two books that I've talked about elsewhere, so Northern Lights or The Golden Compass oh, by yeah. Philip Pullman. Yeah. Middle grade fantasy. Amazing. And the, like it's the, it's the first book of a trilogy, but it's definitely the best. And then the other one is mm. the Ramona Quimby series <gasps> oh, by Beverly Cleary. Ramona Quimby. Yeah. So they're both, so that's a like a realist middle grade. So they're both middle grade, but different so that's number two because I'm cheating <laughs> and because I wanted to include a picture book and um yeah. yeah look I just love so many picture books I know it's terrible trying to choose favorites yeah so one that I've just always come back to is Adrian Simcox does not own a horse or does oh. not have a horse yeah, and that one's by Marcy Campbell, illustrated by Karina Lukens. And you have Ooh. to go and get it from the library. It is just, okay. it will blow your mind. So, really? Yeah. yeah is it amazing, very, very clever? Very clever. Amazing interplay of the visual and the written narrative um, wow. and a beautiful theme about not um, making assumptions about people and mm -hmm. class differences. Right. So. Ah, okay. That sounds really good. How did they contribute to your imagination as a writer? Well, I guess I they contributed because I could I saw what could be done. So, for example, with that picture mm -hmm. book, it's probably for an older audience. It's not really for a preschool audience. So, it's for a elementary audience, right. I'd say, yeah. like primary school audience. And so then I just started thinking, oh, you can do really more complex topics and themes for in a picture book and it can be a perfect medium for it despite yeah. what people say because <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, like out there people just think picture books are just for young children. Uh, what's your next goal as an author? My next goal is to make my middle grade draft into what I want it to be which is you know I want it to be when you reach yep. me <laughs> but I like might have to settle for you know yeah yep. that so um but I want to take it somewhere and make it submittable so that's right. my next wow. goal okay mm. that's exciting yeah thank you have you got lots of projects in the works at the moment or is it mostly that one yeah, yeah. I do no, I've got a lot of projects. So I've just submitted a picture book manuscript to my critique group and I'm meeting them tonight to go over that. I've also got two things in the works. Like I've just signed a contract <gasps> for a picture book and that's going to be oh my overseas goodness. with the US publisher. That's so exciting. Congratulations. I know. Thank you, Renata. Yeah, I feel like I can't say much right. more now because they haven't announced it okay <laughs> but that's exciting <laughs> and then there's another one that's we're chewing and throwing a lot of that and that's in America yeah so you watch this wow. space okay wow so many yeah. things happening 
That's really exciting. Congratulations. Do your ideas come all of a sudden or is it like a slow build where you've got this key point of inspiration that you just sort of create a narrative around? Maybe both of those. Mm -hmm. Like I do get the key point of inspiration and often that will just be a title or just an an idea, but then I have to build it around that. So Mm. that takes longer. Sometimes it comes much faster, like Nothing Alike, my book just came quite quickly. I I sort of had forgotten how quickly it came, but my friend Kirsten Eland reminded me that we went out for drinks one night and I said, hey, what about this idea for this? Like Ruben told me this the other day, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking I should write this. And then she said the next week I had the draft done and submitted it to my group. So I don't remember it being that fast and painless, but it must have been. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> but believe me, like others, I mean, others. Oh, oh, there are a few that got away. Oh, never come just, to be. I can't. Yeah, they just don't come together. And it's. Mm. Yeah. Where can I go to learn how to climb backwards through time? Oh. <laughs> a cave in the middle of Australia with cave paintings. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. With the right climbing equipment maybe yeah I bet there's something mystical out there what's your favorite part of the story making process so far (laughs) that's a curly question I like hard to choose I don't like this editing of this middle grade novel Mm. no but I quite like editing (laughs) all my picture books because I was getting such good editorial advice from critique partners and my agent and editors. So I did like that part. Yeah. How did the great Australian bite happen? Was someone trying to eat Australia? (laughs) All I can think of the great Australian bite is down near Antarctica. So I'm just thinking it's some sort of megafauna, something in the sea, something like, a don't know, that big shark. The megalod, megalodon, or whatever. Yeah, it was really hungry or wanted to clean yes, its teeth. Fiber. Maybe <laughs> multiple little bites make one big bite. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I like that. Are you ready to focus in on these two books yes. with me? start with nothing alike so we open up to a young boy named Reuben can you tell us about Reuben yes so Reuben is a white boy in the um, book he's illustrated with this big buffy blondish hair and he's in his school uniform and he's based on my son Reuben mm, yes I think I've met Reuben. so I'm Eurasian yeah <laughs> yes yeah so I'm Eurasian and my husband's white and then Reuben has blonde hair and he looks white. He's got brown eyes. He's got eyes that look like mine, but the rest of him. Right. Yeah. And so it was inspired by Reuben, your son? Yeah, that's right. So he came home from school when he was in year two and he told me about these two girls in his class and he said, their names are Esme and Unwu and I just can't tell them apart. Hmm. 
Mm. And Renata, you will know that that is exactly the words in the book. (laughs) (laughs) So I have shamelessly pinched them from him and (laughs) I'll pay him back with lots of love in the future. That's right. And Esme and Unwu were these two girls in his class. Some of the feedback from publishers is, oh, this doesn't happen in schools these days in Australia. It's like, well, it did happen, actually, (laughs) and, like, our school's quite multicultural and my son did it, so I know it happens. So it's just funny, like, you get sort of comments like that and you're like, well, yeah. These funny perceptions that people batted away. And Mm. I think that what you've created with this book is absolutely like you were saying you wanted it to be a conversation starter between an adult and a child and... It's such an important issue. You've dealt with it so playfully and so it's fun. You've made it accessible. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny. It's such a fine line though, Renata, because like, for example, you know when there's that bit like, oh, she smells like an apple shampoo or whatever. Not that I go around sniffing people. Like some people are a bit offended by that. Like they're like, you're, you know, huh. he's objectifying the girls and stuff. And then like oh, when boy. like, yeah, like I said something like, oh, Unwu has kind eyes, Esme has a rounder face or something like that. And then one of the publishers was like, oh, that's like, why are you commenting on her face shape? That's not right. And I was like, oh, my God. We have to like, identify the difference. about anything. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't like it's meant to just be factual, mm. you know, and that's like it's who's saying that having a round face is an insult. Yeah. yeah. So that that sort of more than anything reflects that they have a negative association with a certain face shape. Yeah, like, right. What? And I'm like, have you seen my cheeks? Yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> and I'm proud of it. <laughs> but yeah, it's just funny the way things are. What do you hope kids get out of Nothing Alike? I just hope that all kids find a fun message in it and find it entertaining, that all kids, whether they're Asian or non-Asian, will see that sometimes we do need to make a bit of an effort to get to know people in a different group. So whether that's a different ethnic group or a different, Mm. like, you know, like, oh, I go to a private school and all those public school kids, they all do this. They're all naughty or (laughs) whatever. Or I go to a public school, all those kids, (laughs) they're so snobby. You know, so just instead of making big judgments (laughs) about people and stereotyping them and prejudging people, but Mm. they will just get to know people and, yeah, really make an effort because that way you get to know more people, get to know if that person could possibly be a really good friend of yours rather than just writing them off. Mm. And what do you want them to get from the build-up? Oh, from the build-up, I hope that they get a bit of a chuckle about the language and the wordplay in that book, mm. maybe a sense of what it feels like to be a country kid or a country person in a place that is yeah. beset by drought and really feel that empathy or like feel that understanding of, oh, what would it be like the first time you feel rain or you experience rain? Some maybe interesting discussions with the adult who's reading the book, like to, to talk about the wordplay. So, and hopefully just a sense of atmosphere because I was yeah. that was what I was really trying to get into that book was this real sense of the 
the build-up, the feeling of heaviness and humidity and that comes in a Queensland summer storm. Mm. Okay. Now let's look at the build-up. Yep. What is a build-up? <laughs> okay, so a build-up with two words, starting with a D, <laughs> is um, so B-I-L-L, new word, D-U-P, is when a kid mishears the build-up which is talking about the build-up in the weather, the humidity build-up in the lead-up to a storm. Mm. So this whole book has got a lot right. of these misanthropisms. Mis- <laughs> something, <laughs> something like it's that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, so it's got all these misheard <laughs> words and so... Yeah, and it adds a cute character yeah, to it. Yeah, it just adds the cute character voice and that... I think that level of, I think a lot of kids will relate to that because they do mishear or, you know, you think when you're a kid, you just, a lot of stuff just goes over your head and you do mishear things. So I think people will relate to it. Like how a lot of children think that the alphabet has one letter called Elemeno. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's really sweet that that's a central point of your main character's personality here. That makes it really endearing oh, immediately. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sort of, I guess I didn't really, I just wrote it like that. And then after, like as I was submitting it and stuff, or maybe even after I started getting the illustrations, I realised this little fella, I kept on calling him in my mind the little fella with an A. <laughs> and Simon mm. O'Carrigan, the illustrator, <laughs> said something about how he was sketching this character, but it wasn't until he put a pair of blundstones, mini blundstones on his feet that he really felt he got the character. And isn't that amazing? Like that an Aww. illustrator, yeah, and I can, I'm not an illustrator. Like I have no idea about his process and, you know, like, but I, mm. I understand that, like, and I can see how that happens. Yeah. And for me, it was that he was just so content in here. He was an only child and obviously lives in his imagination, makes his own fun and has his mm. own imaginary friends. And they just happen to be corrugated iron, which is a crocodile with scary teeth that is, this, yeah. you know, the corrugated part on the tin roof. And Veranda Yawning, <laughs> capital V and Y, who happens to be the lovely, you know, protective place where he scoots around under the veranda. So, yeah, it's – so for me that's how he is. So he came across more mm. as a independent little chap. And at the same time – I saw these illustrations. Very connected to his world. Yeah. He's got these facets of his – environment that he's attached to and and they are really significant to him and influence how he sees the world and how he understands this scary unknown of rain thank you so much for seeing that I'm so glad that you saw yeah. that in my book because <laughs> that's what it is. It's yeah. it's about him belonging to that place, you know, and his parents having that interaction with them, and you know, in those fantasy, so many fantasies, naming is the most important thing, you know, like that giving something a name. That's what makes it real, mm. and it's just that whole concept. So for him, he had never experienced rain. It was a word that probably washed over him because he had no concrete experience of it but now yeah he can stand there underneath 
the tin roof and it's gushing down and he's looking up at it and he's really Just, seeing what it I is. I think something, my dog is looking a little different. He's looking a little funny. Oh my goodness. Oh, he's got tentacles. How did that happen? Oh no, pink ones. Oh no. It goes with your green dress Oh my though. goodness. Oh, that's good. Well, I suppose as long as... Something's always going on with oh your dog. Oh. oh, Hobie, no. No jumping up while you've got tentacles. Oh, it's so much messier. Okay, um, I think I'm going to have to go. Sorry, Shulin. Thank you so much for coming on. I've got to go and find out how you turn a dog back into a dog. Oh, no. Save yourself. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Endless Shelf. Renata can't host the podcast right now because her dog appears to be turning into a sea monster. Hello, is this best for vets? Yes, I'd like to book an appointment urgently for my pet, Hobie. Oh, well, it's just, you know, he seems happy enough. Still just as energetic and hungry as ever, but um, he's got more tentacles than he had this morning. Oh, no, he's a dog. Hello? Hello? Who wants to go for walkies? You want to go for walkies? We're not going to the vet about the chemicals at all, no. Good boy.